0: hello and welcome to dad educates daughter season three episode three so this is the last series i said series season series You mean the same thing i guess american (laughs) series three episode three and this is the last series of the groups of the 80s so we are now at the end of the 80s how did you find this week rebecca
1: it
2: was all right i feel like i can tell the difference between previous series and this series now like i can tell we're definitely at the end just because thinking back to other groups i can kind of tell that the decade's changing or like we're Mm -hmm. approaching the end of it because there's little bits of sound i mean i know some of the songs are 90s that you send me anyway but you can hear that difference in the groups and when that change kind of comes in but this week I found that the groups that I've listened to have a main focus on the like the lead vocalist. Uh-huh. So yeah, that was weird because usually like it's a bit of everyone doing a bit of something, but it was more even in the videos you'd see the lead vocalist and there weren't as many like backup singers or it weren't shared. So it's been hard to work out how many people are in each group this week.
0: Okay. So I'll just go through who I gave you to uh, remind everyone. So Mm -hmm. the Blow Monkeys.
1: Yeah.
0: Curiosity Killed
1: the Cat. Mm -hmm.
0: Big Audio Dynamite. Furniture.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. It Bites and New shoes
1: yes so how many if any number one i don't think there's any this week you're going for zero Mm. i just can't see any of the
2: songs being like big enough to be a number one okay i could be wrong
0: You know, you are correct. There were no number ones
1: this week. Hey, look at that. Yes. So, let's talk music. Let's talk blow monkeys. Yeah. I think these are jazz in
2: genre and i like how their songs are about something like it's not just music like you can tell they might have written it i don't know um these were the first ones that was like there's a main focus on the vocalist although this guy does not seem to age unless they were short-lived and all this was in a short period of time and they weren't that big he did not seem to age um and i thought it was jazz because i'm sure i like in one of the videos i saw a saxophone um, I think I could hear some, I don't know what type of instruments you called them, but whatever a saxophone pulls was under, like those type of instruments. There weren't any standout videos, but the vocalist, oh, he likes a bit of hair gel, and he's like very carved in the face. Like, he's got like a strong jawline and everything, and he's just, he looks effortless when he's singing. Like, he just sings. There's no, you know, like some people pull expressions and stuff. Not with him. Yeah. He just sings it and it's out. Um, but yeah, you know, like the, the videos, like I say, there weren't any standout ones. Um, I had a good amount of songs. Like that's one thing this week. I've not had loads of songs for a particular group. They've all been about the same. Like there's not been a dominating group this week.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Okay. Yeah. So. The Blow Monkeys were Bruce Robert Howard, also known as Doctor Robert. He was the vocalist, played guitar, bass, piano, so he's quite multi-talented. He wrote most of the songs as well. Okay, uh, Mick Anker, bass; Neville Henry, saxophone, and Tony Keely, Kylie K I L E Y. He was on drums. They were formed in 1981 in London, and they okay. are a
2: sophisti-pop
0: new wave
2: group. Mm, I forget that sophisti-pop comes into it. I forget about that one.
1: So. And I
2: think every time I've said jazz, it's a sophisti-pop.
1: Yeah.
2: But I forget that exists.
0: Mm. I'm sure when you remember it does exist, I'll be saying, a they're a jazz
2: band. Yeah, probably. <laughs> No, in my
0: luck. So the group was formed by frontman Robert Howard after he returned to England from Australia, where he resided from 1976 to 1981 after leaving his native Scotland. So he was originally say, Scottish, went to uh, Australia between 76 and 81, came back over to England, obviously to London, and set up the group. Their first single, "Live Today," oh no, sorry, "Live Today, Love Tomorrow," mm-hmm. was released in 1982, but to very little success. Okay. In 1984, they released their debut album, "Limping for a Generation," but it wasn't until 1986 that they enjoyed their commercial success with the release of their second album, "Animal Magic." and its lead single, Dig In Your Scene.
1: Oh, so the by... songs I've had. Sorry? The songs that I've had
2: were yeah. on their, like, well, starting from their second album. They really didn't yeah. hit until that album then. So, yeah,
0: Animal Magic That's was their name. Yeah. Mm. I was just think yeah. if you were a, f- a fan early on and you had the uh, Limping for a Generation album, it's probably quite a rare album to have.
2: Yeah, because as it didn't hit, the sales wouldn't
0: yeah, have been yeah. massive, would it? No, exactly. Mm. Unless they've repressed it since, but to have an original from, what, yeah. 1982, then, yeah. Oh, sorry, 1984, the the actual... Um, I don't know if their 1982 single, Live Today, Love Tomorrow, is on the actual album, because that was 1982, and the album wasn't until
1: 1984.
0: Mm, so, uh, nice. so, yeah. But, yeah, so yeah. 1986, Animal Magic, um with Dig in Your Scene, which was rid- written by ha- Robert Howard and uh, attracted attention for its topical lyrics of dealing with the AIDS backlash against gay people. Um, so the single reached number 14 in the US Billboard Hot 100.
1: Hmm. I didn't
2: think... I mean, I knew the lyrics were about something because I've said that their songs aren't just music they're actually they mean something but i didn't think deeper into what they meant this week yeah. but i'm surprised that this group isn't like robert howard and the below monkeys or whatever because he just seems to do everything kind of like his group isn't it yeah, yeah. Being and everything. but we also bypass like we just Got went past the fact that he's called Dr. Robert. Has he got like a PhD to be called Doctor? Or I, I don't know, I couldn't mean? find
0: anything out. He's just called oh. Dr. Robert. I think it's just a stage name, but I okay. could be wrong.
1: Okay,
0: yeah. So, um, the band were not shy in writing songs about current affairs with their third album, She Was Only a Grocer's Daughter. Was a reference to then Prime Minister Maggie
2: Thatcher, Margaret Thatcher. Oh, so so they went maybe a bit political.
0: Yes. So, as the Conservative government was unpopular with left-wing pro-labor party music acts of the 1980s, which included the Blow Monkeys, and hence their Maggie Thatcher, they obviously were not um, fans.
2: Have um, I got
0: any songs from that album? Oh, I would have said so, yes. Okay. Um, so they were part of Billy Bragg's Red Wedge, which we spoke about um, with The The, Matt Johnson, because he met Billy Bragg in Australia. Funny enough, um, Blow Monkey's um, front oh, man lived in Australia, which mm. is totally coincidental. Um, but uh, Matt Johnson from The The was in Australia touring with his video of um instead of doing an actual tour tour,
1: met yeah, Billy Bragg mm. who
0: convinced him to come oh back over to England to to um to, to obviously you know perform but he got him to join the Red Reg um which yes, was a remember. um number of musicians performing um on behalf of the Labour and was actually um headed by Billy Bragg Paul Weller of the Style Council and uh-huh. Jimmy Somerville. So uh-huh. the musicians that performed included Style Council, obviously, The Communards, uh-huh. again Jimmy Somerville, so obviously. Uh-huh. The yeah. The Who I've obviously said about anyway. Mentioned Madness. Uh-huh. Heaven 17. Yeah. Banana Rama. Prefab Sprout. Uh-huh. The Beat. Blow Monkeys. The Smiths. Captain Sensible from The Damned, Lloyd Cole from Lloyd Cole and the Commotions,
1: mm-hmm.
0: Jerry Dammers from The Specials, another one that we know as Polit- political, yeah. um, Elvis Costello, Gary Kemp from Spandau Balang, and yeah. Shade. Um Ooh, However, after, so yeah, quite a few, and they were quite, um, I suppose. They, as I say, they've done quite a few little performances. Well, I say little. Mm. I mean, that's quite a quite a, um, that's quite a, a mix thing. But mix I don't think of they
1: were
0: the same it. I think they had little, and then right. the and two would turn up and do? Yeah, the
2: yeah. The same.
0: Uh, like however, I'll
2: wear after- someone one day and someone the other day. Yeah, and that I've
1: done. yeah. Yeah.
0: So, however, after the 1987 election, which produced a third conservative victory, many of the musicians drifted away, and Red Wedge, formed in 1985, um, was formally disbanded by Billy Bragg, Paul Weller, and Jimmy Somerville in 1990. And lo and behold, the next general election, I think it would have been the next, was the one that Labour won with Tony Blair. If not, it was probably the one after that. But yeah, it was a, in the obviously in the 90s. So mm-hmm. they were obviously protesting or against the Tory government in the 1980s.
1: Okay. They disbanded.
0: And then in the 1990s, we had a Labour government. So quite ironic. I wonder
2: whether they made any, any like, like, well, they wouldn't have had two videos explained. of that.
0: They weren't around back in the 80s. So. Mm-hmm.
2: Oh if yeah, so it would only have been Whether like There would have, have been any video
0: pod. recordings that have since been, mm. and I don't know, but you would have to look up Red Wedge. Red Wedge. Yes. Okay.
2: Yes.
0: So, It Doesn't Have to Be This Way was the lead single from the album She Was Only the grocer's daughter, a Grocer's Daughter and is seen as the band's best-known single and saw Dr Robert acclaimed as a leading songwriter after the track was featured on comedy film Police Academy for Citizens on Patrol. The band was also covered Leslie Gore's You Don't Own Me for the film Dirty Dancing's soundtrack.
2: Oh, so they've been getting their music in places then with the film industry.
0: So the, dis- the band disbanded in late 1990 after releasing their fifth studio album. And then in late 2007, the original band members reunited and have su- subsequent blah, 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 subsequently released another six studio albums with their last what? Journey to, to You released in 2021.
2: Oh my God! So they're like still going as yeah, and they. I more. do remember
0: seeing them on the heritage chart. So they're obviously. Ah, on, so,
2: on that
1: now.
2: Yeah, and that the heritage chart. Just to recap, that's the one where like your eighties groups kind of go. Yeah, eighties, nineties
0: are, aren't obviously enough popular enough mm. to get onto the mainstream. So it's done by Mike Reed, x Radio One disc jockey and um he will it's done by votes in online um so you you listen to the track and you you vote them you can vote for as many as you want and um obviously at the end of the week you have your your new heritage chart
2: okay so okay i'm with you yeah and yeah, i yeah. think
0: he announces it on his new breakfast show on whatever station or i think it might even be a, a tv now um that he is on and announces it on well, a Thursday, I think it was. But yes. Okay.
1: I'm with you. So, so they had the stream. So they had one top ten single.
0: Mm. One top ten album. Um so choices, nineteen eighty nine, which um was number five, which is the best of.
2: Oh, okay. So it's not even like a studio album, really.
0: It's a great... So just for reference, 1986, Animal Magic. That got to number 21.
2: I thought it was going to be that one in the top 10.
0: 1987, She Was Only a Grocer's Daughter. That got to number 20.
2: Okay. So... They weren't big with their albums, really.
0: No. So let's see then how big they were with their singles. Yes. So 1986, Dig In Your Scene, got to number 12, just outside the
2: top 10. Not bad. It's got a good sound to it. And this is one where they've actually got background singers. And I liked the use of them. It just gave it a bit more body to it because the main focus is like the lead vocalist. So it was nice to have those. But it it, it was slow paced than what I would enjoy as much but the sound of it was good.
0: Okay. Uh, 1987, It Doesn't Have to Be This Way, number five.
2: Uh, so I thought their top ten was going to be either Digging Your Scene or It Doesn't Have to Be This Way. Um, yeah. It Doesn't Have to Be This Way is actually my favourite from what you've given me. Um, right. And it's it's similar sounding to the previous. Like I think like the beats are quite similar and whatnot, but it's got more of that upbeatness to it. Yeah. Um, so I do really like both of those, but it doesn't have to be This Way is my favourite. Okay.
0: 1987, Out With Her, number
1: 30. Oh. okay. It's catchy, and it's like a love
2: song. It's quite dreamy is the only word that I could think to describe it. Like, just uh-huh. the way that he said, like, even his vocals change a little bit. But it's got, you know, it's catchy and the chorus is good. Yeah.
1: 1987,
0: Celebrate, The Day After You. Number
2: 52. Ooh. I mean, it's got a good beat. I found it a bit repetitive, but I wouldn't go and put it at 52. I'd put it in the charts. 1988,
0: This Is Your Life. Number 70. Oh my god! Okay. However, it was re-released in 1989 and got to number 32.
2: All right, that's more like it. This one's got a pop sound to it, so. Uh huh. I thought they were changing a bit, but obviously not because it's not. We're not near the 90s yet, um, and it just gets you moving. I'm quite shocked that the first release was like number 70 or 72. Hmm.
0: And then 1989, Choice, featuring Sylvia Teller, that got to number 22.
1: Okay. I like the addition of the woman, Uh um, and I feel like his vocals changed a
2: bit. So when I said at the beginning that I can notice a change coming to the end of the decade, I thought it was these type of things that it was, but maybe he's changing the way that he sings because... He's duetting with a woman, I don't know. But it's also more bassy. It's got more bass to it, this one. So there was a change, but they I don't. They obviously didn't really last into the 90s, did they? I wonder what their music sounds like now, whether they've changed much.
1: Yeah. I have
2: hmm. to look them
0: up. I have yeah. them up. They definitely have been in the um, heritage chart. I've seen them. So um, they definitely had something out recently. Mm-hmm. And as I say, they had an album in what, 2021? Well, 2021, yeah.
2: yeah.
0: So, yeah. Okay. So that's the Blow Monkeys.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: We will move now on swiftly to Curiosity Killed the Cat. Well,
1: I bet I'm wrong with the genre again. I've put soul and a bit of pop. And
2: again, there's a main vocalist, so I don't really know how many is in the band or who's in the band or anything. But the main vocalist, right? When I was watching the videos, um, he looks like a cross between Jim Carrey and McCoolie Colkin. I can never say his name, the Home Alone kid. He looks like a cross between them. He could be like a doppelganger, but. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's all I... Like, there weren't much to say. Like, again, their videos didn't... Not many of them stood out to me. Um, Hold they, on.
0: Their videos didn't stand out to you? No. Oh, you wait till we hear about one video with a certain oh, no. Andy Warhol in it. Really? Really.
1: Nah, none of the
2: videos stood out to me. Like, even when I've gone down the songs, Nothing. Nah. Although one of the songs has been sampled by someone else.
0: Oh, really? I oh, you're telling me something
2: now. Nah, well, I'll let you know when we get to that song then. But okay. because I listened to the song and I was like, I really recognise this song, but I have no idea. Like, I don't know. I just recognised one bit of it. It turns no. out that one bit has been sampled. So, no. Yeah, okay. I'll let you know. But yeah, no, that um I'm intrigued by the video now, but because I didn't really think much of any of the videos. They were just, no. I don't know, just there weren't anything special in them. They, no. they weren't memorable, obviously.
0: No. Okay. So, Curiosity Killed the Cat were Ben Volpellier Pirol, I think, i've pronounced that right but from now on i shall just know him as ben vp as that's what he went by okay um he was the vocalist right now so just before i go on there was a, a thing about him so he, i don't know if you noticed, he always wore a beret yeah however it wasn't a beret it was a fisherman's hat turned back different. to front so it looked like a beret
2: Oh, yeah, I don't like know a what a cool. fisherman's hat looks like.
0: No, though. it's got a little peak, so he turned the peak to the back.
1: Okay, and it, it looked, looked like a berry.
0: But he said it's actually a fisherman's hat turned oh. back to front. So there you go. Julian Godfrey, a Brookhouse on guitar, Nick Thorpe on bass, and Miggy Drummond on drums. They were formed in 1984, London.
1: Um, and they are a sophisti-pop funk mm. band. Okay. Not doing well.
0: The band were signed to Mercury Records and were seen as soulful, jazzy funk band. And they came to prominence due to the single Misfit, which featured Andy Warhol, In the video, following a chance meeting with Ben VP, as he was known, and um, so the video saw Ben dancing down a New York City side street with Andy Rahul dropping pieces of white cardboard in time to the music. So he had written cardboard and then would drop them so it showed another one in time to the music.
1: Yeah, I really don't remember that.
0: Um, and the card dropping was actually referenced to Bob Dylan's 1965 promotion film for Subterranean Homesick Blues. And there we go.
2: Okay. Well, I don't remember that in the video. Well, sure. not many
0: people do because the single was unsuccessful and the band were given an ultimatum from Mercury to record a hit single or look at being dropped.
1: Luckily, their next
0: single, Down to Earth, was a success and the band went on to become a commercial success with the release of their first album, Keep Your Distance, reaching number 55 in the US Top 200 album chart and going platinum with the album in the UK. Their second album, Get Ahead, went silver in the UK.
2: Okay, so... They saved themselves then. They did. Fancy thinking meet them? That early on as well.
0: Well, I suppose they just thought, well, you've had Andy Warhol in a video, you know, so I suppose having that is no so different to Aha with their video and other video, you know, vi- mm. I mean, you've got to remember the videos were what was selling selling records back then because of MTV, as we said before. Mm. Um, and the fact that they're not, they're not even selling the records tells you mm. that the video is more popular than people, but people aren't going out and buying you're out in the single. So yeah.
2: yeah. But while you're on videos, I was watching MTV today because they had on like the UK top 40 like charts. So I just had it on while I was pottering about. And um, it's funny because some of the ones that are in the charts haven't got videos yet. Uh-huh. So on my TV where, videos were playing when it got to some of the songs it just had the lyrics or just like the album cover or whatever that had been submitted with this song and it's just funny how it's changed from videos being like a main form of getting records sold to people now are in the charts and they don't even have to make a video that like some songs don't even have videos nowadays right Right. i guess it's too like you're thinking of money side of it as well haven't you but Yeah, I, d- I thought
1: about that today and was like, I'm going to tell dad how much it's changed. So, yeah. Mm. So, following the success of um, Down to Earth and obviously then the album, Misfit was
0: consequently re released and became oh. a success in the US and become their only charting single. When peaking at number 42 in the Billboard Hot 100.
1: Okay. So it just shows you
0: they released a song with a video that featured Andy Warhol, come was a flop. They Warhol. were literally given an ultimatum by their record band that, give us something good or you're going to be dropped. Mm. They then went back, got a song out, got an album Did well. out, done well, they got platinum.
1: Isn't um, it funny
0: in top though? in the in the album charts in America. Re-release Misfit, and suddenly so oh it's their biggest biggest single.
2: But isn't it funny that it can like if they release Down to Earth first, they
1: been, might yeah. have
2: had that ultimatum. But because yeah. they've released Down to Earth and that's done well, when they've re-released Misfit, everyone's like, oh, let's buy this next song by them. Like yeah. not obviously not realizing or forgetting that it'd already been released. So it's funny that. The single that you release can really alter the way you hit, the way your career kind of goes in a sense.
0: Yeah,
1: definitely. Mm.
0: So the band disbanded in 1994 after working with Simon Cowell at BMG Records on their third studio album, Um, Back to Front, and their single, Hang On Their Baby, a cover of American Johnny Bristol's song by um, by now the bands were known as just Curiosity. So they dropped Killed oh, the And
1: okay. whether that
0: was them or so when they so obviously they've right. left Mercury, they've mm. joined BMG, um, got, which is obviously where Simon Cowell's now at. And whether now it was, though, that the the record company on Simon Cowell decided to drop the Killed the Cat, so they were different and they could be remarketed. Yeah, Um, maybe. I don't know, but um, all their later, so from their third album onwards, they were known as Curiosity. So I don't know if that came across when you were looking up songs Mm. or whether they were still listed as Curiosity Killed the Cat, but they actually only went by the name as Curiosity.
2: Uh, I don't really, I didn't notice any change. In it in what I was adding. So uh um, it it didn't really affect when I was looking for them. No. Um I've just looked and no, they're they're all curious. Oh no, only hang on in there baby yeah, hang on in there, baby is curiosity. But it says Ian kerno and Phil Harding as well. Uh-huh. I don't know
1: who they
2: are. But yeah. But I didn't notice it when I was actually adding them and looking and everything.
0: Sure. Okay. So in 2001, the band reformed for an appearance on a BBC midweek show based around the National Lottery draw. And since then, Ben VP has toured under the name Curiosity Killed the Cat at a number of 1980s festivals.
2: Have you ever seen it? Um,
0: no, I haven't. No, they've uh, not isn't been it? rewind when we've been there.
2: And isn't it weird that he's now going by Curiosity Killed the Cat, not just the Curiosity?
0: I think it is because Curiosity Killed the Cat was
2: what, what most people
0: would know the, their better mm. so, I mean, obviously that was their, their best era, their better songs. Yeah, so, um, it would, that yeah, 80s I era. Suppose when it. you're looking back to something that's happened in the 80s, people are going to remember Curiosity Killed the Cat. More so than Curiosity, um, Mm -hmm. which was in 1990s, which obviously when that happened, it was in the 1990s anyway.
1: Yeah, that's true. Yes.
0: Uh, They had three top 10 singles. They had one top 10 album, uh, which was 1987's Keep Your Distance. That actually got to number one in the album chart over here. Oh, really? And stayed at number one for two weeks. And then subsequently it stayed in the top 10 for another well, for over, 30, well four, 13 weeks.
1: Oh wow. So that was a good album then.: Yeah. OK. So onto to where their singles finished. So
0: 1986: mm-hmm. Misfit: number seven after its re-release.
2: Okay. Well, I found that one catchy. Uh And you know that 80s sound that I'm like, oh, this has a sound that's like, sounds like an 80s. I can never explain. This has got it in there. Like, I don't know. It's just, you can tell it's an 80s song. But I liked it. That's why I was shocked that it was like number 72 or whatever you said it was. Yeah. When it first got released. Okay.
0: 1986 Down
2: to Earth, number three. Oh, okay. Well, this is my favorite. Yeah. He's got a very deep voice in it so i don't know whether these people can change their voices don't know um i don't know how to describe it it's just a really good song like i literally i don't know how to break it down i just really enjoyed it it just got my attention and i can listen to it over and over again it's one of those okay 1987
0: ordinary day number 11
2: Okay, this one's a bit on the quiet side. It's got nice background music, but I feel like that drowns out the vocals a little bit. Okay.
0: 1989, name and number, number 14.
2: Okay, well, this one. This is the one that's been sampled.
0: Ah. It's been
2: sampled.
0: Ah, by the S- House or something, isn't it? No. No,
2: no it's someone that I've got you to listen to. All oh, right. right, okay it's been sampled by little mix
0: oh really
2: yeah so it was sampled Mm. it was on their first album you'll probably like it because you liked their earlier stuff um it the song is called how you doing and literally it starts with hey how you doing sorry you can't get through just leave your name and your number like it's got that bit of it in it (sighs) so like the chorus is the same but then i had so it was annoying me because i recognized it i was like why do i know this bit why am i singing it and I couldn't get any further, I was just repeating myself, so I looked it up, I was like, nah, who's covered this song? As soon as Little Mix came up, I started singing it how they sing it, and was like, yes, that's why I know it, so I got both their lyrics up, because I was like, have they just sampled, like, because it's exactly the same lyrics for the chorus, Mm -hmm. I was like, is the rest the same, but it's a completely different, Different all the the verses, the chorus is the same, Um, but um. Curiosity Killed the Cats version is really catchy. I did enjoy it. I like mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Yes. So there you go. You can go listen to Little Mix. How you doing?
0: Mm. Hear it. Well, Name and Number is probably my favourite song of theirs. Well, go listen to How You Doing yeah. then. And I have got their album, and I have got Blow Monkeys album as well. Oh, have you? It, oh. To yes. Uh, so now we move into 1992. As I said, they've mm-hmm. changed um, their record. Gr- uh, Label Deal. and then now with Simon Cowell under his management. Um, hang on in there, baby. As I said, it's a, a,
2: um, a cover. They got to number three. Oh, okay. Well, I noticed a change in tone. In tone, so whether that's to do with the change in management as well, I don't know. Um, because this one's a lot slower compared to the previous songs. I did recognise it a little and I wrote, is it a cover or being covered? So you've answered that question before because you said it it is a cover. But I wouldn't say that I would recognise because it's an earlier version that they've covered. I don't know why I recognise it a lot or maybe it's these that I have heard. I don't know. But yeah, there was something familiar about the song. Fine.
0: And then 1993, I Need Your Loving, number 47.
2: Okay, yeah. This was probably my least favourite that you'd given me. It's very repetitive. It's just, there's not, it 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 doesn't fit with all their previous songs. It's just not got the same vibe. So it was my least favourite. Okay.
0: Fine. Moving on then to Big Audio Dynamite. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, let's see um, if I can get
2: this genre right. Let's let's go for it then. What do you think? I've gone for rock slash pop. Whether it's a sub-genre of one of those, I don't know. But I feel like they've got a bit of rock in them. Um, they've got a good beat to their songs. And they do quite a lot in their songs. So even though I've said rock and pop, it's quite hard to pinpoint what genre. Because I at one point I thought, oh, maybe... They've got a synthesizer because of the sounds that I hear. But then in videos, I didn't, like, because there weren't much going on in the videos. They, like, you know, it's, there's quite a lot of live performances that I watched. I didn't see anyone with a synthesizer. So I was like, I don't know where these sounds are coming from. There's not much going on in the videos either. But in just playing music, They are performing in front of a large crowd and they've got some, like, animal mascots. And I was like, that's a bit odd, but it made me remember the song. Um, And then three, with the video, there was, like, some talking in it and, like, you didn't see the band as much. So I wondered whether that was linked to a film
1: or anything. Not sure. But, yeah. So. Big Audio Dynamite were Mick
0: Jones on vocals and guitar, Dan sorry Don Letts on vocals, Dan Donovan on keyboards, Leo Williams on bass, and Greg Roberts on drums. They were formed in 1984, and, like the Blow Monkeys, like Curiously Killed the Cat, they were formed in London.
2: What are you going to say um, the genre then?
0: No, and their genre is post-punk alternative dance Funk, rock, reggae fusion and a bit of hip hop. Well, there you go.
2: That's why I can't yeah. pinpoint.
0: Yeah. So um, they were formed by former Clash guitarist Mick Jones after hey. he'd been sacked from the Clash and um, he formed Track, uh top risk action company and track was seen as a forerunner to big audio dynamite uh, as he had bassist leo williams as a member of track and then they both then formed big audio dynamite okay. um so big audio dynamite's second album number 10 upping street was a pun oh. on 10 downing street Got more um, coming in. So yeah, and it reunited Jones with his former Clash bandmate, Joe Strummer, who was a co-producer of the album and a co-writer of five of the album's nine songs, including V13 and Come On Every Beatbox. Which got two, so Come On Every Beatbox, that got to number 51.
2: I was going to say, I didn't have
0: that one. No, no, it got to number 51. Okay. So the band actually disbanded in 1990 after writing and recording free for the soundtrack to the film Comedy Flashback.
1: Okay, so I was right. You were right. I mean, I've never had The
0: single wasn't actually released. It was just on a soundtrack, but I gave you it to listen to but oh, okay. um, it wasn't released. As so it didn't chart? It was it just... Went, um, not done anything. They, oh, oh, it might have been released, but it just never done anything. But they released right. it, it was their last song, oh, okay. and it was um, for the soundtrack of that film, as I say, um, flashback.
1: Right. So okay. then in
0: 1991, late 1991, Mick Jones reincarnated Big Audio Dynamite. However, right. he reincarnated them as Big Audio Dynamite 2. Oh,
2: is that because he changed people in the band?
0: Yes. So um, oh. he um, he brought in Siggy Siggy Sputnik's drummer,
1: mm. uh,
0: Chris... Oh, I can't remember his name now. I haven't written it down. I think it was Chris. Um, but for some is... reason, badly, badly done, I've not written it. I've got Chris on my mind. Um, he joined... And um, this version recorded under two names: Big Audio Dynamite and Two, and then just Big Audio. And they supported oh, okay. U Two on their Zoo TV tour in
2: 1992. Okay, so they carried on a bit when they yeah reincarnated as
0: yeah. They However, they disbanded in
2: 1995. Oh, okay, so that was a bit short-lived. Yes.
0: So then Mick Jones again reincarnated Big Audio Dynamite in 1996, but they disbanded in 1998 until the original members all reformed in 2011 for the Glastonbury Festival.
2: Oh, okay. I mean, then on the back
0: of that, they done a UK nine dates tour. With two sold out nights at the Shepherd's Bush Empire, which got glowing reviews with a four star rating from The Times and a four star rating uh, from The Observer. And The Observer commented that
1: they remain a joy. They just remain a joy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I thought there was more, and then I realised there wasn't. <laughs>
2: yeah. uh, well, while you, were just, while you were just talking, then Chris Kavanagh?
0: Now, I knew it was Chris. Yeah, yeah. I looked it up for you because so he, like was, he was in Big Audio Dynamite two, and then they become Big Audio, just Big Audio.
1: Right, and yeah. he was
0: in. So yeah, he was brought in from Siggy Siggy Sputnik. Um,
1: yeah, so yeah. Was, yeah. And when did they then?
2: Split up again after oh, that. They,
0: they, yeah, they've they've now gone their own way. So in 1995, Miggy Drummond and Nick Thorpe they set up Naked Records. Oh,
2: okay. So yeah, well, that's one way. If you're not producing, like if you're not
1: making
2: yeah.
0: it, you may as well. So yeah. Rush, um, in 1991. So this was in the second reincarnation.
2: Right. Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah. So
0: it was on the B side of the Clash's. Should I stay or should I go? Which got to number one oh. on the back of the Levi Advert. So we did mention yeah. this when we done the clash. Well, yeah. um, obviously Mick Jones, who had been sacked from the clash. Now, whether he wrote Should I Stay or Should I Go or had a bit he he was the reason I'm I'm saying he obviously had a big thing because obviously he's let he's been sacked, he's now formed yeah. dynamite, so he's got however. On the B side of should I stay or should I go was BADS, as they are known, because it was B- Big Audio Dynamite, abbreviated, was known as BADS. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that was the B side. And Jones told an NME journalist that he included "Bad 2s, so Big Audio Dynamite 2,
1: because
0: mm-hmm. this is now that. that the one. reincarnated version. Um, <laughs> Rush, in the single re-release of should I stay or should I go? To promote his newer band. Now the fact that yeah. he's allowed to have put
1: gonna...
0: his single from another band on the B side tells me of he had band. a lot of say with the 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 what the single should look like for Should I Stay or Should I Go? So yeah, because um, yeah. that's
2: really usually unheard of, isn't it? Like mm. having one band and one. On the A side another band on the B yeah. side, and especially a single, seeing as
0: the band member who and... who we're talking about is, was actually sacked, he didn't leave. Yeah, he didn't, you know, he, he was sacked for whatever reason. Yeah, oh, so yeah. he must
2: have had a big involvement in "Should I Stay or yeah. Should I Go" to be able to be yeah. like, now I'm putting this one on it as well. You're not having your yeah. B side, yeah. So,
0: yeah.
2: Well, hats off to him for doing uh, that. Again,
0: I got you to listen to Rush. It wasn't a chart. It, well, it did. It got to number one, but. I should think a lot of people bought it but never actually listened to it.
2: Yeah, because it would have been for the Should I Stay or so,
0: Should I Go. Yeah. So uh, Big Audio Dynamite had one top 20 single. They uh-huh. had one top 20 album, which was 1986's Number 10 Upping Street, which got to oh. Number 11. And okay. um, as the observers say, they are a rem- they remain
1: a joy. I should just leave it there. Nothing else. <laughs> Nothing else. So, songs, singles. Yeah. 1986,
0: E equals MC squared, mm-hmm. To two, number 11.
2: Okay. So that's their one top 20 men. Started off on a high. Uh, Well, this, I you know, going straight in with these, it was a big head bopper. I don't really know what they're saying, but I like the sound of it and I like the music. So that was a good start for Big Audio Dynamite with me. Okay,
0: 1986 Medicine Show, number 29.
2: Oh, I thought it would be a bit higher. It's a simple song, but there's not too much going on. There's not, you know, like the lyrics are very... This is what I'm saying, like, because it's quite slow, but it makes it catchy. And then, like, the music is also just to the point. And so I liked that song. It was different compared to the rest that I've heard this week so far. So
0: 1987, which was from the Chris, not Chris, Joe Strummer album, which he produced and co-wrote. Yeah. And this was one of the songs he co-wrote. So V13 mm-hmm. got to number 49. Really? Yes.
1: Yeah. Well, this is where I got
2: rock from. This song sounds a bit rock.
0: Well, I suppose Clash were a bit rock, and um, yeah, it, so it, it had sense. a lot of influence from Joe Strummer. That yeah, you probably it, you'd get
2: that uh, in there. Yeah. Yeah. But I just really, I don't know, like weren't like an in-your-face rock that I don't like. It was a nice rock. I mean, not that they were even listed as rock or whatever. Um, but I really liked just listening to them actually just sing. Like, I don't really get the song. It sounds like, you know, the actual words are a bit odd. I don't really understand what it's about. But the way it's done in your ears, is beautiful. So, yeah, I enjoyed it in that sense.
0: Okay. And in 1988, Just Play Music, number 51.
1: Mm.
2: This is a repetitive song, but it has got something that draws me in. It's just a bit quieter than the rest.
1: Hmm.
2: Okay. And then I take it you're not going to say about Russian Free. Well, no, as I say, really I gave amazing. you three because
0: that was, they, that, that was their last song as Big Audio mm-hmm. Dynamite, the original band. And yeah. um, as I say, it was, it was if it was released as a single, it didn't chart, but it was mainly recorded for the soundtrack of Flashback. Yeah, and then Rush, as I say, I gave you because that was on the B side of another one Should I stay or should I go from Mick Jones' original group, The
2: Clash? Mm-hmm. Okay, well yeah. I, the only reason I said is because Rush was my favourite that I listened to from this group. Wow! Oh. So I wanted I to get it on that single in there. if you want. I
0: didn't know I had it on single, but I have because I have got "Should I Stay or Should
2: I Go." Oh, there you go. Yeah, no, I like. It. it just kicks straight in. It makes me want to move. Like this sound seems to have changed, but again, that might be to do with the changes in the band and who's involved and everything. But I just really like it. That was my favourite. So, okay. like that one.
0: So, um, we're now coming to the the part of the show where oh. we need violins, really, because what you're about to hear is is a sad story. Oh. So we're moving on to the band Furniture. A weird name for a band, really. It is.
2: And looking that up to find songs on YouTube, you can't just type in furniture and hope that the songs come up. Like, it comes up and you're like, what type of furniture do you want to look at? So you have to type in the whole blooming song and put song at the end. Okay. Oh, it's horrible trying to find these. Um so. I went for synth-pop with them, though, and I feel like these are a bit of an underrated group, but now I'm really intrigued by the sad story. I think they have a great voice, and the two songs, you've only given me two, yeah. um, they're two very different sounds. Didn't get much from the videos. Again, like I say, this week there aren't really any standout videos. Um, they're live performances that I've done, and they, they were hard to find any other songs for. Um, You'll
0: find out that in a minute.
2: Yeah, so that was a bit uh, disappointing.
0: Yeah, your violins ready. Okay. Okay, so furniture yeah. were Jim Irvin on vocals, right. Tim Whelan on vocals, guitar, piano, keyboards, multi-talented, um, um, Hamilton those. Lee on drums, Sally Steele on bass, and Maya Gilda on keyboards. They were mm-hmm. formed in nineteen seventy nine. Okay. Quite, quite
2: early. That's
1: quite early. we were early. only
0: listening to... Um, we were in series
1: three.
0: three. Yeah. Um, now, like the others this week, they were formed in London, England.
1: <laughs> oh. And
0: you are right, they are a the synth-pop new wave band.
2: Got there. Got there.
0: So, although their main success was in the UK, they also enjoyed a f- cult following in Eastern Europe where they toured in 1987
2: and
1: 1988.
2: Okay. So. I'm waiting for the sad bit.
0: The band's biggest success came after leaving their original recording deal, which was with Survival, based in Ealing. Um, so they went to join Stiff Records. So they left a little record label in Survival,
1: mm-hmm. and joined
0: a much bigger label. Stiff right, okay. And they released their hit single, Brilliant Mind." Yeah. And following its success, they re-recorded an earlier single, Love Your Shoes. And although a radio hit, it fell foul of a financial crisis at Stiff Records. Oh, no. So So Stiff Records couldn't afford to press enough records to meet the demand. And although discouraged by the setback, Furniture went on to their to record their second album, their first, now with Stiff Records. So they'd done their first album with with um, Survival, mm-hmm. and now they've done their second, which was called The Wrong People, um, which saw advance orders for the album fulfilled by Stiff Records with a single pressing of just 30,000 copies. Um, and that all sold out quickly. However, shortly afterwards, Stiff Records succumbed to its financial problems and went into liquidation. So, we're now in limbo. They've got a a song that's doing really well, but hasn't got enough copies to to help sure. it in its chart success. They've got a album sold out from its first lot of pressings advance orders but she's now been put on the back burner because the record company who they have now decided to sign to because they're bigger has now been bankrupt so they've actually been better off staying with Survivors. however it's out of their hands now
1: Mm.
0: because obviously it's now down to assets of stiff records so Following Stiff Records being round up, so bankruptcy, the company's assets and back catalogue were sold to another label, ZTT Records, Right. we know about. ZTT was formed by Trevor Horn, who obviously was behind Frankie Goes to Hollywood, ABC. Yeah. um, He's now bought Stiff Records' back catalogue.
2: Okay, so that sounds Um, promising.
0: So it does sound promising. However, he decided, or someone at ZTT decided, um, to press no further copies of the Wrong People album, Why? which in effect ensured Furniture could not build on their growing momentum. So they've sold all their albums that they've been, that's been pressed. Okay. They've sold all the singles that have been pressed. Their record company couldn't fulfil anymore because of financial difficulties the back catalogue has then been sold on and that new record company does not want is not interested in promoting furniture shall we say
2: so when i say i feel like they're an underrated group i'm kind of on it there aren't i
0: well, underrated they were just completely just couldn't go they were in know. limbo they could not do nothing they're but, under contract, not their fault. but they're now under contract of a record company I'd who sue. doesn't want to promote them in a sense. I'd sue. I'd sue. But they can't do anything.
2: I I don't care. So, I'd well, sue now. Well, ne- for, for
0: you know, if you listen, for the next three years Furniture mm-hmm. spent their time touring, including Jordan, where Tim Whelan recalls they played in a great big theatre in a man in front of the Crown Prince. And he said, We'd gone gone from a shambolic indie band who shunned audiences to suddenly being having to put on a show because that was the only way they could get their music across. So eventually in 1989, the band were released from their stiff records ZTT contract um, after many years of, or three years of wrangling and having to play. Mm -hmm. As I say in Jordan and wherever where they could get, you know, could could Venomine haven't got a massive back catalogue, at least not that people really know, and they didn't really get into a the trap. mainstream either. Furniture, and, yeah. you know, and the wrong trousers. They just didn't it didn't chart that well. So they signed now to Arista Records, um, which were a major label, and they recorded their third album, Food, Sex, and Paranoia. Yeah. However. It was not a commercial success. Oh, and um, on the back of this, um, their keyboard player, Maya Gilda, left the group. However, the band yeah, continued as a foursome. Right. Although now divided, as Irvine and Steele wanted to play Stick With Synth Pop, um, whereas Wheelan and Lee prepared were were preferring to go the more funk jazz which was now more okay. at the forefront we're now at that you know we're now at the end of the 80s and as you've heard mm-hmm. from blow monkeys curiosity killed the cat that's the way the music's going and we know that yeah. from earlier on, that's spandau ballet went from synth pop to that side more, more, more cool. thing so um so yeah they wanted to to go that way but the other two wanted to stick with the synth pop
1: Okay. Oh, so, uh, whatever way as seen, so uh, so the, yeah, they wanted to go the same way as seen with
0: Curiosity and that. So yeah, so mm-hmm. so plans to release a best of compilation album became complicated.
2: How on earth do they do that? They've got the record labels
0: legal problems regarding rights for both Stiff and Arista's material. God. So, two new songs, How I've Come to Hate the Moon and Farewell, were recorded at Survival Studios. But the sessions were curtailed when the studios were shut down.
2: Oh my God, these poor people.
0: (laughs) So, exhausted and discouraged by their continual bad luck, the band finally decided to split up in 1991. Venomine had been going since 1979.
2: Those poor people.
0: However, some good news, the compilation okay. album titled yeah. She Gets Out the Scrapbook was released posthumously by Survival in 1991 Yeah, and included two new singles which served as the band's final output. So the two new singles that I said they'd recorded, Mm -hmm. um, How I've Come to Hate the Moon and Farewell, ended up being their two final outputs. Obviously, now they've disbanded, but they disbanded after this compilation, before the compilation. So it's a posthumous by Survival.
2: Right, okay. Um,
0: Since the breakup of the band, they have retained a cult appeal due to their high reputation as songwriters and their tag as one of the most unfortunate of bands and a prime example of a lesson for any young musician being courted by a minor label to leave your independent label so they went from an independent label not Mm -hmm. massive obviously wanted the commercial commercial access joined what was relatively a minor label but in the mainstream in stiff records and then obviously they had their dealings with the bigger labels with ZTT and Arista. To no luck of that for any. Those poor um, people. So after the breakup, Whelan and Lee formed Trans Global Underground, mm. um, which was a late 80s, 90s group.
1: Right. While
0: Irvine and Still became high-profile British music Journalists.
1: Mm.
0: So they probably wrote a whole book on
2: their journey, let alone looking and being a journalist.
0: From nineteen seventy-nine until the breakup in what nineteen ninety-one, they had one top 30 single. Okay. So
1: that single
0: was 1986's brilliant mind and it got mm-hmm. to number 21
2: okay all right well that was my favorite out of the two you gave me well
0: the other one as i say was love your shoes and that mm-hmm. didn't chart because it although it did sell well it, it didn't have enough pressings it, to continue to the sales mm-hmm. so yeah. um, it didn't okay chart.
2: well brilliant minds it sounds familiar don't know why it's got that 80s sound in it and I, this is the one, like, I was like, I can hear some program sounds and that made me go with synth pop. And then Love Your Shoes. I just really enjoyed it. It was upbeat and head bopping, but I did prefer Brilliant Minds. But yeah, I when I was right, they're underrated. Who knows what they could have been if they didn't get screwed over? Yeah. Literally, none yeah. of it was their fault. They were just trying and they either they had someone going liquidation.
0: Long time. Had they stayed with Survival, yeah. released Brilliant Minds, they would have probably got a record deal with a major company, and who knows mm. what would have happened. Yeah, exactly. they jumped ship for a minor record company, in Stiff Records released their best song to date. We don't know whether they could have made better. Who knows? And unfortunately, it all went downhill following it. Rather oh, than
1: like, with
0: most people, it goes up up curve. They went.
2: Yeah, down. they just. Well, they just couldn't get anywhere could they and then they yeah. had people being like no but we're then three gonna... years where we're you sure can't actually record
0: that. anything you're
1: because tied you're
0: to a record contract but, you but can't they don't want to do anything out of or you wrangling to get out of mm. they were just touring and as i say you know
1: um doing what they can
0: yeah so yes yeah. so moving
2: on to it bites
1: yeah i've gone with
2: rock Okay i'm a bit back and forth of how i feel about them i can't work them out you've given me three songs and not one of the songs they're not 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 two of them are the same in video wise one minute they look like rock stars and next minute they're more prim and proper like groomed a bit more so i was like what do you want to be which is why i'm like back and forth i don't really know if they knew what they wanted to do um and calling the heroes is a bit of a trippy video like, you got, like, the silhouette. Like, they've used graphics really well. Like, the silhouette of the person has a different video on it compared to that out, like, the surrounding area. It Yeah, it just threw me a bit. But it was memorable, so we we'll would take that. But, yeah, not much to really say about them. Like I say, they've only got three songs, haven't they? Yes. So, It Bites, with
0: Bob Dalton on drums... Dick Nolan on bass, Francis Dunnery on vocals and guitar, and John Beck on keyboards guitar. They were formed in 1982 in Igremont, Cumbria. And they are a progressive rock, art rock, pop rock band. Rock. Yes. <laughs> so although formed in 1982, uh-huh. It wasn't until March 1986 that okay. the band released their first single, All in Red, which was there a reason um, not that I'm aware of. Okay, uh, who, who knows? They didn't have a record deal, they didn't know what to do. I don't know. Okay. Um, so All in Red, which um, it didn't chart or not inside the top 100, however, their second single, Calling All the Heroes was released in June 86. It gained a lot of airplay on the radio and gained many TV appearances, including an appearance on Top of the Pops.
1: The main thing,
2: isn't it? It's what
0: you want. The third single, Whole New World, Mm -hmm. also charted, but only modesty. And although all three singles appeared on the band's debut album, The Big Lad in the Windmill, it wasn't right. a commercial success.
1: No. Although so the, the band
0: had done well, but not the album. Yeah. So although the band got to tour with Go West and Marillion. Yeah. And they played at the Montreal Jazz Festival. Okay. Which, funny enough, this year, yeah. headliners, just so you know. <laughs> are.
2: knew you were going to say Go that, back. so you just said that. Yes.
0: Um, so yeah, they they um they got to play there back in around the mid '80s, um, which is in Switzerland. Okay. So then, following the release of two further albums, "Once Around the World," released in March 1988, peaking at number seventy-two in the UK album chart,
1: Ooh.
0: and "Eat Me in St. Louis." Which was released in June 1989 and peaked at number 40 in the UK album chart. So, these haven't done
2: well with their albums at all.
0: Um, So, following that, Francis Dinnery left the band following the recording of the third album, Eat Me in St. Louis, um, as the band shifted towards a more rock sound, which Dinnery claimed to have become dissatisfied um, with and wanted to become. Uh, wanted to sing good songs rather than fly around at 9,000 miles per hour
1: <laughs>
0: playing tunes that people can't remember, is how he put
2: Ooh, it. Oh, okay. He didn't
0: remember because, as you just said, they the, the albums didn't chart that well at all. Mm,
2: exactly. Um,
0: so although the remaining bandmates say that uh, Dinnery had, or Dunnery, um had um, demanded full leadership, of the band and control over the material and they also claimed that he had clashed with John Beck to the extent that he demanded Beck's expulsion from the band so it looks hey. like it's, so there was two it's different good. stories you've got Dunnery yeah. coming out saying I don't want none of it I'm you know you're What's going to change in yeah. um, but then you've got the band saying he wanted full control he wanted one of the band mm-hmm. members expulsion from the band and so, so there was a
1: fallout
2: somewhere,
0: wasn't well, Yes, yeah, so something's happened. Um, Dinnery or Dunnery obviously wanted to take the band in a totally different direction. There's been a fallout. Three
1: years of fallout. Yeah,
0: so, um, so, yeah, so the trio continued with Beck swapping instruments from guitar to keyboards. Um, mm-hmm. They then recruited a new singer in Lee Knot. And released a live album covering Francis Dunnery, sorry, covering the Francis Dunnery years, right. um, titled Thank You and Goodnight. So, in other words, so they were so literally ending their association with their former lead singer Dunnery.
2: Yeah, yeah. I'm with you. Oh, okay. Not like you said, thank, thank you me. and goodnight. This is the last one, but it's more thank you and goodnight to you.
0: Yeah. Oh,
2: okay. So
0: better. In attempt to refresh themselves, the band renamed themselves Navio Kiss um, hey. and played several gigs. And then they said they then had a second name change to Sister Sarah. Um, followed, um, however, the band split within a year due to a lack of enthusiasm from audiences. With John Beck later admitting, we found out pretty soon that people weren't about to go along with such a change in direction. Oh. Was Francis Dinnery right? Uh, it's hard mm. to say because he doesn't have to say. Was he saying with such a change in direction of the music or such a change in direction as in they changed their whole name?
2: Yeah.
0: So you don't know what, he, what way he... All he says is... Uh, we, le- we found out pretty soon that people weren't about to go along with such a change in direction. Now, does he mean mm-hmm. they weren't behind the new group, Navio Kiss Stroke Sister Sarah? Yeah. Or was it the music direction that they've now decided to go that Francis Dinnery was against in the first place? No, mm. so it's a bit open. That's we'll never know. interpret that probably either way. And probably at the time... It was easier to understand, but obviously I'm re- looking at it, looking at uh, it, and yeah. there isn't any information. However, in August two thousand and three,
2: mm-hmm. during a
0: Francis Dunnery solo show in London, he was joined on stage by his former It Bites bandmates. Oh,
1: okay. For the first
0: time since nineteen ninety, with joining Dunnery for a duet of It Bites' song Hunting the Whale, followed by a finale with Dalton and Nolan, also now on stage, of Mm. Still Too Young to Remember. So, following this, it was announced that It Bites would be getting back together to write and record a new album, followed by a tour. Although some writing and initial recording did take place, the full reunion never materialized. Mainly, Dunnery's hectic schedule back in the United States um, affecting his ability to commit to the band. So, in 2006, so now three years after that meeting when they joined their former meeting out. On, on um, stage. So, um, 2006, they reformed with John Mitchell replacing Dunnery. So, we've now got a third lead singer because Lee Knott replaced him previously. Um, and then by 2008, Beck and Dalton announced a new lineup as Dick Nolan left the band. Oh my God. So, the new lineup, which was still had. Um, Dalton Beck and obviously now Mitchell as a singer, but obviously now they've replaced Nolan. Yeah, um, they re supported status quo, status quo at their Whitehaven concert. Now, bear in mind, um, Whitehaven's in Cumbria, it bites by- mm-hmm. from Cumbria. It's from that, yeah. So um, it made sense that they, um, they joined them at that end of the country. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and on the 25th of May 2019, Bob Dalton announced the end of It Bites, stating, unfortunately, It Bites won't be touring or gigging again. And we don't have plans for anything else in the future. But it was a great one. And we thank all of you who have followed us through the years. However, there's a bit of a turn to this because the news was a bit of a surprise to Beck and Mitchell. Oh. With Mitchell saying, if Bob doesn't wish to be part of this endeavour, that is down to him. But obviously it doesn't prevent John and myself from still making music together.
1: Oh. So. God, that's a bit In late 2020,
0: Mitchell wow. commented on Facebook, as that's how you, comment, you communicate to your fans now these days. Uh, we yeah. are doing an It's Bites album, We May Be Sometime. That's all he put. Very cryptic. But that's what he put on his Facebook post.
2: So you and don't it, know who's in it, no, or no. how long, or whether it's yeah. going to even happen. Okay. So then,
0: in June 2021, in Prog Magazine, Dalton who'd already put out a statement saying that we're never gigging in that again. Mm -hmm. He blamed Mitchell for a basic lack of continuality. It was stop, start, stop, start. In the same article, Mitchell stated that work on the new album was continuing with a lineup of
1: Mitchell, Beck, and... Dalton. Band's well confusing.
0: So Dalton has now come back. So Francis oh, didn't really come back. But then so
2: he's he throwing his back. toys
0: out of the pram. There, and now he's come back. And mm-hmm. the, a record contract had been signed with a view to releasing the new album in 2022. With remastered versions of the Mitchell era albums, the Tool Ships mm-hmm.
1: And map of the past released in May 2021.
2: So, yeah,
0: and they were also behind a charity single for the um, Carlisle Floods, which was obviously from Cumbria, part up there. Mm -hmm. Um, So, they had one top 10 hit, one top 10 album. And um, which was 1986's The Big Lad in the
1: Windmill, which only got to number 35. Hey, So, their songs. Yes. 1986, all in red. Their first
0: ever single. But as I said, already, it didn't chart. But I gave you it. I don't even know if you could have got hold of it to listen to, to be honest. Well, I did.
1: Uh-huh.
2: And I don't like it. Oh, okay. It was in your face with the rock. I was like, great. Um, it's just very instrumental. There's not as much singing as I'd prefer. Okay. So, when it, yeah, that was my least favourite of theirs. That and that's why it didn't chart.
1: Yeah, probably. Um, still in
0: 1986, Calling All the Heroes. That got mm-hmm. to number
2: six. Right, but this one then had a change, and I feel like they were trying to be like more like Queen in the rock genre. Yeah. So it was good. I liked the sound of it because it was more upbeat. But yeah, um, this is what I mean by no two songs are the same. Yeah. Okay.
0: And that's probably down to the people behind it, that they just didn't know what direction to go so in. They had no that.
2: idea, did they? They, put, they still don't. <laughs> and then
0: 1986, Whole
2: New World number 54 okay well this is my favourite out of the three but again completely different to the other two it was less rock, more upbeat and it was more similar to this, that the groups that I'd already had this week so it tied it in and I think that's why I liked it more but it was just less rock
1: so it was nice okay. I thought that out
2: mm. moving on then to new shoes
1: yes oh, I liked
2: ending on these I went with pop and R and B. There's a woman, but her voice changes. I don't know whether that's because we've moved into the nineties towards the end of them. Not sure, but her singing voice—I wouldn't say it's distinctive, but it's not like a a singing. It's more like talking singing. I don't know. It might just be the way she sounds. as I listened to these last, I remembered them the most, like, b- before I went back and listened again or made my notes and whatnot. And I was actually looking forward to re-listening to these for my note-making and any other times. Um, they're the most up my street, I'd say, that I've listened to this week. Um, Point of No Return had a very memorable video. They were, like, doing dancing in a, like, I, I want to say ballet room. And she went to a cupboard and all these shoes fell on her. And the shoes were moving by themselves, but you could tell it was like stop-start animation. Like you could tell it was like move the shoe, take a picture, and then put it all together. But I liked it and it made it memorable. It was just about dancing. Quite like that video. I think that was the most, that was the best video I'd um, watched with the shoes dancing on their own. I don't get how it to the song, but yeah. No, I like, yeah, these were a nice end to the week. Okay, where do you think they're from? Well, I want to say British, but because you're asking me and we've had a very British week, I want to say American.
0: Okay, so new shoes were John Smith and Valerie Day. So John Smith was the writer of the songs and Valerie Day, the vocals. Uh-huh. They were formed in 1979. Okay, in so not Portland, Oregon, US. Okay. And right. They are seen as an R&B, freestyle dance, blue-eyed soul band.
2: Okay, well, I got the R&B.
0: You did. So, New Shoes is an American R&B group fronted by husband and wife team of oh. John and Valerie Day.
2: Okay, I wonder whether he's the man that she was dancing with, because I wouldn't have a clue who he is. I just know who the woman is, because if he was the writer... He's not really in the forefront, is he? No. But that's interesting. So, formed in 1979, mm-hmm. the lineup,
0: which had originally featured 12 members, released oh, their sure. debut album, Can't Turn It Off, in 1982. Right. Although the album saw limited success, the band continued on trimming its numbers down over the next several years and eventually it became seven. Okay. They released the single I Can't Wait in April 1985. Okay. On Paul Side Records with the original recording happening at Cascade Recording in Portland in the autumn of 1984. So they recorded this song in 1984. So it's something to just bear in mind. Okay, And it featured on the group's second album, That's Right, in 1985. I Can't Rate was popular on the Portland radio stations, but new shoes were turned down by every major record label. So a copy of the song made it to the Netherlands, where it was remixed by Peter Slaghoose, And this version is known as the Dutch Mix. And with it returning to the US on Dutch label Injection Records as an import. Right. This version got the attention of Atlantic Records, who signed the band to a contract in January 1986. Hmm. I Can't Rate was then re-released. And reached number two on the R&B charts and number three on the US Billboard Top 100 in June 1986. So it was first recorded and in autumn 1984,
1: and then and on it actually the made
0: the chart in 1986.
1: But because Um, of this, after going
0: over to after springing up in the Netherlands, being remixed and coming back over to the
1: US as a Dutch import. Oh, so yeah. Well, that's uh, had a journey, hasn't it? Yeah.
0: So the follow-up single, "Point of No Return," was remixed by Shep Pettibone and topped the US dance chart in September 1986. The song also peaked at number 28 on the Hot 100 Billboard chart Mm -hmm. and number 35 on the R&B chart.
2: Right. Both
1: songs were included on the album Poolside. Funny enough, as that was um, the first... um, single that they released with was poolside records sadly. Ah, um, so
2: had album done that done they did a homage to it mm-hmm.
0: um, and that album charted at number 27 on the billboard top 200 album chart and sold five hundred thousand copies in the us gaining gold certification okay in 1987 new shoes were nominated for a grammy award In the Best New Artist category. Mm -hmm. However, they lost out to Bruce Hornsby and The Range. Oh, so we have spoken
2: about. Yes.
0: In 1988, the band released the album Told You So, which had had their last charting singles to date. Should I Say Yes, number 17 on the R&B chart, and number 41 on the Billboard Top 100 chart. While are you looking for somebody new, spelled N-U as in their... New shoes. New shoes. That topped number two on the US
2: dance chart. Isn't it funny that if you're from America, because you haven't spoken about the American charts this week as much because they've all been British bands. We get to new shoes and they're charting in America left, right and centre. Yeah.
0: And the album itself peaked at number 93 on the Billboard Top 200 album chart. Okay. Time Will Tell was supposed to be the first single from the third album, Under Atlantic, the band's fifth album. However, the album Eat and Run was never released. Oh, So neither neither was the single, time will tell Mm. In 2007, New Shoes were inducted into the Oregon Music Hall of Fame That's a new one And New Shoes continued to record and perform Releasing their album Bag Town in 2016 And joining the 80s era tour Super Freestyle Explosion. Damn so I enough. guess that's like a rewind. Yeah. And
2: they've got a whole album that's still not been released yet. They've released it. Oh, yeah, not, nothing
0: that I could see told me that's that that right. album. I mean, we only know one song from it, which was Time Will Tell, and I yeah. don't think that's ever been. So John Smith and Valerie Day have been credited with rewriting the book on Portland's R&B sound.
2: Fair
1: enough. So, and have they well, made it?
2: They're not split up. They've made it through work. Yeah, no, no, they've yeah, yeah, they're still okay. So,
0: over in the UK, they had one top ten single. They had okay. one top forty album, which was the nineteen eighty six poolside, which got to number thirty two. Okay. So, their singles. Yep. Nineteen eighty six. I can't wait. Was your highest chart single that you listened to this week?
2: This week? Oh it's got to be a number two then. Because so had a number, number three. They got to number two. Hey. Um, well this was my favourite of theirs. And I think it's on an advert now. Like I recognise it and I'm sure it's on like a justy advert, whether it's a sample. Well it was re wee- it. it was it was covered. But just what I've listened to of them, it sounds like them. But thinking about it, it might be another version. But yeah. yeah, it's definitely on some sort of advert. Like, and I feel like it's a delivery advert. Like Just Eat, you know, like one of those. But no, this is a song that will get stuck in your head, even without the advert. It's a, re- it's one of those songs where you just can't help but just replay it in your mind. So it was my favourite this week. I tried to look up whether I could find it in an advert or whatever, and I couldn't. I didn't go too far, but because I went 100%. But, yeah, it's definitely in something, like that first bit.
0: So the song was covered in 2002 by the UK Garage Girl Group, Ladies First. And it was a UK top 20 hit, reaching number 19. That was in
2: 2002. So it didn't do as good as new shoes a bit. But yeah, I'll have to find the advert. It was also sampled in the 2010
0: single, "Buzzin" by Mann. N. -N 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 -N
2: -N -N Okay. Yes. Right. I'm going to find out what adverts it's on. But yeah, it's definitely in something.
0: 1986 point of no return number 48 in the uk chart okay
2: it's a good song it's catchy but the background music is ad annoying it's a bit too repetitive like the same thing over and over again there's no change in the music itself
0: uh 1986 don't let me be the one was actually not released in the uk Okay. to get to number 39 on the US dance, as I think I may have already said.
2: Mm. Um, well, you can't help but muse to this one. Uh, it's upbeat. The only thing is the music drowns her out a little bit, like makes her a bit, qu- like the vocals a bit quiet. But, you know, it's, it's a good one. Uh,
0: 1988, should I say yes, was again not released in the UK, okay. but it did get to number 41 over in America on the Billboard Top 100.
2: Oh, well, this is a mellow song compared to the others. It just shows the vocals in more of a raw sense, like stripping back the background music. So it was a nice side to hear. Okay. And lastly,
0: 1988, Are You Looking for Somebody New? Again, it was not released in the UK, but it did get to number two on the US dance chart. okay.
2: Well, I thought this one was in the 90s. You can hear a little change in the sound of it, but it's obviously not. But it is getting to the back end where you've got a little bit of a change, haven't you? But, yeah. yeah, no, I enjoyed it.
1: Okay. So now we come to your part. Mm-hmm. And I'm not too sure this week. I was hopeful. No, not. But listening to you,
0: I'm not hopeful.
2: Okay.
0: I was thinking I might get three mm-hmm. with the other three being very on the fence. Oh,
1: okay. However, now I'm
0: thinking I'll be lucky to get two. So we will see. So Have we'll I spoken that
2: low of things? I would say you haven't come across
0: well, in my
2: opinion.
1: All right.
0: I'm so, I'm good at this poker face thing. Blow monkeys. Hit or miss hit i thought they would be
1: yeah i enjoyed them a nice start to my week okay curiosity killed the cat hit or miss hit oh i wasn't (laughs) sure whether they'd done enough they 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 did they did enough i yeah
2: they had you know a nice Amount of songs that I really enjoyed. It was only like "I Need Your Loving." I just couldn't deal with. Like I'd listen to it, but it's like my least favorite. And yeah, all the rest, apart from like "Ordinary Day," weren't the best. But that was just more on the quiet side, so it's not really up my street. But no, like they were catchy. They were up there. Yeah, so I enjoyed
1: them. Big audio dynamite hit or miss. So, when I was writing my notes and re
2: listening, I was a bit on the fence when at the end when I was deciding for each of them. But now I've spoken about it, I've put them as a hit because I realised how many of the songs I actually do like. Like, you know, when you're like recapping again, talking out loud, I'm like, actually, you know, they've got a head bopper in there. there. Like, you know, they've like even their repetitive song has got something that draws me in, you know, I like the lyrics, I like the sound. So yeah, they
1: they're a hit. Oh. And yeah. so now we get the violins out. Maybe I'll And we of. talk about whether
0: uh, Furniture, who have been the most unluckiest band that I've ever heard. Were of. for you a hit. Or a miss?
1: For the two songs you gave me, and for the fact that I think that they're underrated, they're a hit.
0: What? See, I love Brilliant Mind. I I
2: really like those two songs. Like like I say, I can't find any more. But now you've explained, it all makes sense. They don't really have that push to even create anymore. So Mm. usually when there's less songs, I'm like, no because I've not got enough to go by. But for them, even when I'm listening to them, I'm like, nah, these are underrated. There, there needs to be more of these songs. I couldn't find any. So no,
1: they're a hit for me. Okay. it Bites. They're a miss. Didn't enjoy them. Okay. Even though Calling All the Heroes is a good song. Well, I didn't really like it that much.
0: No? It was good, but
1: Uh not a stand-up for me. And finally, new shoes. They are a hit. Wow. Yeah. There I was thinking, I'll be lucky to get two, (laughs) and I get
0: five.
2: You get five this week. Wow. Yeah, no, I really enjoyed these. Like, this was a good week. You know, they're all a bit different, and don't get me wrong, in each of the bands, there's a song or two that I might be like, and I'm not probably going to listen to as much, but there's a majority of songs
1: that I really enjoyed. So, yes, you've got a five-hit week. Good. Well,
0: quickly moving on, because I don't think the same's going to be happening next week.
1: Okay, go on. So. Here's your bats for next week. Mm -hmm. You have got Jesus and the Mary Chain. Okay, that's that. Moving on, that name's weird. The Mission. Okay. Real Thing. Right. Not heard of any of these. Cutting Crew. Okay. No. Double. Oh, to the point. No. And Berlin.
2: No, not heard of any of them. I don't think you've ever brought any of them up. That first one, I've not got high hopes for. I'm, uh, I'm not religious, so as long as it's not religious, we might be all right. Okay. But you've not got high hopes, so...
1: No.
0: You're not the one listening. Okay. Okay. So there, who you've got next week? I will just quickly say it all once more. Jesus and the Mary Chain, The Mission, Real
1: Thing, Cutting Crew, Double and Berlin. All right. Well, Uh, I'll get listening.
0: I shall send the songs over. Yeah, I don't think there'll be many to be honest okay. this week. Yeah, and um, we shall discuss next week.
2: Yeah, we shall indeed.
0: Okay, all right, well, now I shall quickly end this week before you change your mind on any. <laughs> Taking in the five hits out of the six, That's and
2: say my goodbyes
0: and good
1: night. Yeah, and I'll speak to you next week. You will indeed. Bye-bye.